Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back, everybody. This is Lori, and we are headed into Alma 12, 13, 14, and we're going to talk about salvation. Now, last time we did a little bit of an all-about section, meaning we stepped back, we looked at kind of what uh, Mormon, the editor of the book of Alma, was trying to say about Zeezrom and this uh, confrontation that Amulek and Alma are having. And we're having kind of an interesting debate Uh, The missionaries are out, they're meeting with people, and we learn that the teachers of the law, the lawyers, the judges, are there for money. And it even tells us that, you know, the more contention that they can have, the more money they make. And uh, not to disparage any lawyers or judges in our day, that does sound like a fairly uh, litigious society and one that we can probably relate to. It isn't about right or wrong, but it's about how many... Uh, court cases that we can get so that we can make money. Um, and, and so that, that resonated with me on that face, but I digress. So we have gone back into the story a little bit, and now Ziezrom, Mr. Moneybags, Mr. Cash, has uh, realized that he is in a, a profound debate with, with those who have authority, with a couple of, of strong authority figures in the gospel, and they are going to discuss with him. Now, um, I think we've all learned don't what we call bible bash right when we were on missions but that that having these kind of scriptural debates where it's uh just contentious and and no one's trying to learn you're just trying to force these scriptures down each other's throat is is never 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 a good idea neither is trying to manipulate somebody into believing something um and yet here is, is this man who is trying to do those exact things with these uh with with alma and with amulek and and while that's a an odd practice that that we are trying to avoid. A- a- Amulek and Alma respond in a way that we can understand, and they teach us something about salvation. And so I wanted to just kind of delve into a few of those scriptures. Now, I, which is actually really odd, because this week at uh, in graduate school, we were asked a question in one of the discussion boards if we've ever had any questions or scriptures or doctrine or spiritual questions that have bothered us, things that maybe we've had concerns about, and then how did we resolve that, or did we at all? Now, one thing that's really common I've learned in the educational side of theology, both at the evangelical school and now the Jesuit school I'm going to, we we tend to confront those difficult questions uh, right up front. Um, We don't tippy-toe around them. We say, yeah, these are, they're going to be some difficult questions we're going to raise. And yet somehow, in our culture, uh, in the church, we, we kind of avoid them. We, we kind of have to pretend we don't have questions. Or if we do, they're, they're certainly not faith um, scary ones. They're like, you know, simple ones. But we, we can't really admit that you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's supposed to work. Um, so I, I want to encourage us that this, this has been great because we had the same question. Hey, Lori, th- th- in my class at Gonzaga was have you ever had any questions that uh, spiritual questions that have bothered you and how did you resolve them or did you now um i i talked about the question of salvation 
what does it take to be saved? And and you might say, well, Lori, we know what the answer, you know, it's faith, repentance, baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have to have the ordinances. You have to repent. You have to be baptized. Um, it, we kind of give a checklist of, of things, but there is, they're complicated. It's complicated, isn't it? It's, it's more of a question of where am I in, in the standing with God? Where am I in a place where I feel comfortable or do I, do I, should be, should I be doing more or have I really magnified my calling? Have I done my ministering? Um, am I doing my prayers like I should? Maybe there was some sin that I've left unrepentant uh, and that's certainly true because you, know, you sin all the time and I, it's not like you're just, you know, flushing them out every day. It's, it's this odd world where you're like, I, I live a very worldly life and yet I'm trying to draw closer to Christ and I'm trying to be saved or, or we would say, um, exaltation. We're, we're trying, striving for this life that God has in store for us today and in the future. And that's a question for me that it's always like, you know, <laughs> where am I? Um, so I don't know if you have questions about salvation, but I certainly have. Now, some of that comes from me going to school where you talk about those things and it gets kind of confusing. Um, and so this has been really helpful to go through and see what Amulek has to say. So ask yourself, have you ever had a question? A couple that we would be silly to not have is why do innocent people suffer, right? If if God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-good and just and gracious, why do people suffer? And don't just throw out a simple answer, right? Well, because we have free will. Think through that. I mean, why is that? Um, why... Uh, why is there so much contention in religion? Why, if, if the truth is here, why do people argue so much? Or why do people leave the faith if they've had a testimony? What happens there? Um, these are normal questions, and I hope that we actually ask ourselves these questions, um, not to be doubters or something like that, but to, to really see what, what does the Lord think about these things and ask ourselves. So, so anyway, let's talk about salvation, and you'll get to answer mine today with me. And, uh, and I just want to encourage us to, to ask the tough questions, to, to throw them out there, to discuss them in families and friends and, and, uh, and see what the scriptures and the Lord has to say on the matter. And then we will be uh, stronger saints. All right? All right, let's turn to Alma 12. Uh, there was this great—actually, I'm going to go back to 11. Amulek is speaking— and we see that Zeezrom, so this is this debate, right? So they're, they're kind of arguing over. And it's Zeezrom's trying to s- kind of fool Amulek and Alma into saying things, right? And twisting their language and saying words and then picking them apart. And so it's, it's not an open discussion. Now, we've already been introduced by earlier in the story that we know that he's out for money. And then we see he immediately tries to bribe Amulek with a significant amount of money. So this is not an honest and open discussion uh, from Zeezrom right now, right? He is not coming to this with, I'm, I have these deep questions like we just mentioned. He's, he's coming from a place of deceit and power and trying to make money, right? So, so let's go to Alma. I was going to jump back to, let's go back a little bit to pass the money part. All right. Verse 21, and this Zeezrom began to question Amulek, saying, Will ye answer me a few questions which I shall ask you? Now, Zeezrom was a man who was an expert in the devices of the devil. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. 
remember how I told you Mormon does not mince words with what he thinks about people. This is not these are not nuanced descriptions. This is this guy was an expert in the devices of the devil. So the way he's debating, the way he's um, going to pick apart things, he is we're, he's telling us, listen to how he does it. Why is Mormon going to show us these techniques? Why is he going to highlight it? I think because we've got to be careful of these in our own day. It's easy to get caught up. I I just do not like watching the news right now. It is full of political rhetoric and everyone hates each other. <laughs> and there's just nothing, doesn't seem anything good coming out of the news in the United States these days. And I think that they're using a lot of these same ploys on both sides of the aisle. Both sides. There is hardly anybody good out there. There's just, just people for money and power and manipulation. And you see them using these same techniques. And so Mormon's going to tell us, Zeezrom was a man who was an expert in the devices of the devil, that he might destroy that which was good. Therefore, he said to Amulek, will you answer the questions I shall put to you? You can already get the feeling it's a setup. Hey, if I ask you a question, will you answer it? And you're like, uh, sure. Right? Like, oh, no. And uh, Amulek says unto him, yea, if it be according to the spirit of the Lord, which is in me, for I shall say nothing, which is contrary to the spirit of the Lord. So he's going to say, I'll answer it, but I'm not going to be fooled. And as long as we have the spirit, then we can have the answers. So that's our first key. When we're being confronted with difficult questions or feeling like we're maybe trying to be fooled by uh, Satan, then we can say, I can answer those with the spirit of the Lord. I will have to have the spirit. Okay, key number one. And so Zeezrom says to him, behold, here are six aunties of silver and all these I will give you give thee if thou wilt deny the existence of a supreme being so he doesn't <laughs> Amulek agrees to the questions and he doesn't even ask a single question Zeezrom offers a bribe uh, which implicitly questions how serious Amulek is about his message right had Amulek accepted the money there would be no no need for questions so it was like well if you're not even serious about this then clearly we can show that you were a bad guy now not only that and it not only that but uh but it's going to kind of prove Zeezrom's point, right? These guys are not in it for truth. And he probably wouldn't even have paid him. He would have called him out on it. So it's a trap. It's a trap, right? What What is our motivation in answering gospel questions? Um, I have a rule that I'm trying to enforce is I do not answer questions on social media uh, about religion or politics because they're kind of like this. They're, nobody really wants to know the answer. They just want to poke each other in the eye. So... It's kind of like a bribe. See, I just set you up. Anyway, keep going. Uh, let's do Alma 11, 23 to 25. See what else other clues we have on this conversation. Amulek said, oh, thou child of hell. Okay. Uh, we totally have to start calling people that, by the way. Child of hell. Anyway, why tempt ye me? Knowest thou that the righteous yieldeth to no such temptations? Temptations? Believest thou that there's no God? I say unto you, nay, thou knowest that there's a God, but thou lovest that lucre more than him. And now that thou hast lied before God unto me, thou hast said unto me, behold, these six aunties which of great worth I will give unto thee, when thou hast it in their heart to retain them from me. And it was only thy desire that I should deny the true and living God, and thou mightest have cause to destroy me. And now behold, for this great evil, thou shalt have thy reward. So Amulek it perceives Zeezrom's agenda, right? And he just let's go and good for him right he just vehemently declines this is no way on the bribe but I, you weren't even going to give it to me 
you were you were going to keep it all along. You were just trying to catch me and uh, and, and and say that I didn't believe in God. And here's the thing. We both believe in God. That's that's the rub here. It's not just for political power, but Zeezrom believes in God. So that's even tougher, right? This guy is just just really a tough guy uh, to understand. So and then Zeezrom says unto him, thou sayest that there's a true and living God. And the amulet says, yes, there is a true and living God. Okay, so finally, the debate, the question that we've been waiting for, this contest for the people, the people all around, remember? So the, the contest for the city, uh, the, the, the believers, the non-believers, the hearts of the people is finally beginning. Zeezrom's victory would really throw the city into even more disbelief, right? If uh, Zeezrom wins... And, and now we see Amulek and Alma have a chance to, to try to um, uh, get the spiritual control of the city. This is, they, Alma and Amulek are, are fighting for the spiritual lives of this people. This isn't just a, a simple debate. You know, this is something that's really very important. Um, so let's keep going. Zeezrom says, is there more? Okay, but notice that everything that Zeezrom says is he's trying to set him up to get to a point. He's trying to trap him. Zeezrom says, is there more than one God? And he answered, no. Right? We already know where this is going to be. Uh, this is the Nephite religion and the Nahors, right? And even though Ammonihah had chosen the order of Nahors, they surely understand the Nephite religion. And so Zeezrom's going to ask about multiple gods, not because there were other religions, but because they know that Amulek only believes in one God and, and he's trying to trap him, right? In this idea of the son of God. If there's a God and the son of God, then clearly you're, you're foolish, right? You have a foolish belief here in your own beliefs. So Zeezrom's trying to trap him. So there's our second clue. First, we have the spirit. Second, you know, maybe it's motives, understanding the motives. And third, you got to know what we believe, right? We got to know what we believe. Uh, and then he says... Um, uh, this this great question in verse 30 and 31. Zeezrom said unto him, How knowest these things? And he said, An angel hath made them known unto me. So this is what's interesting is this claim to authority. So oftentimes we'll see how do you how do you know what you believe? How do you know? And you could claim a lot of things to claim authority. You could claim scripture. Uh, one of the most common ones we're going to see in the Book of Mormon is the traditions of our fathers, right? We know because this is what we were taught to believe. And that's something that's really common in our uh, day. Now, I'm going to take you back to Gonzaga. And this is actually the same in both Catholic and Protestant belief. One of the uh, principles of, of authority is you might have scripture, but you might also have tradition, uh, and reason is the third. So you'll see scripture, tradition, and reason are the three things that theologians appeal to because you can't just appeal to one thing, scripture, because you can kind of use scripture to prove anything, sadly. And then uh, people are tricky with that. Don't misunderstand me. Scripture is true, but scripture can be, it needs to be interpreted and you need to understand it so people can find all kinds of meanings there that may or may not be there. But they'll also go to tradition. Well, that's how it's always been interpreted. And you see that with the Nephites and the Lamanites, specifically the Lamanites, right? That we believe in the traditions of our fathers. That's what they believe. That's what we've always believed. And that's how we've always done it. And that, sadly, sometimes we fall into as well, right? Well, well that's, that's how my church has always believed. So it must be true. So you can have thousands of years, thousands of years of wrong practice and wrong belief because of tradition. But here's something interesting. 
he doesn't go to those. He doesn't go to because it makes sense or because my father's taught me this, my mom taught me this, and the scriptures say it's true. He says, and angels told me. He goes right to the source. This is revealed directly by an angel. So the other thing, though, that's happening is Ezraim is going to try to set up Amulek to contradict himself, right? It's an opening ploy. What's his source of knowledge? Um, so he's not quoting established sources. So he's not appealing to a teacher. He's not appealing to something like that. He's going to try to pin him down on something. So another key for us as we uh, try to figure out what we believe and, and, and at times when we are conflicted about where we stand on issues is is to understand where the source is coming from. Are we getting the source from the news? Please say no. Or from Facebook or from Instagram or somebody's meme? Please say no. And frankly, don't get your source from me either. <laughs> I am not an authority of anything. Go get go to the source. Go to the source. Go to the scriptures, go to the prophets, go to the Holy Spirit and find out what the beliefs are but go to the source and find out what is true right find out all right so we're going to change we're going to keep adding to this in uh, verses 32 and 33 so Zeezrom keeps asking him um an angel has made him known to me and then it says and Zeezrom said again who is he that shall come is it the son of God and he said unto him yea so this, he's trying to strengthen this trap. So keep going. You're just listening. He's trying to set him up. So who's going to come, right? Now remember, the Nephite religion is preaching this atoning Messiah. We have been marking our scriptures with the atoning Messiah since basically the first page of First Nephi. And we know that the atoning Messiah is the Son of God. And we know that Jacob was revealed that he shall be called Christ. So we know that this is a strong principle in our belief as well as in theirs. And so he's going to try to trap him. He's going to try to say that, that not, there must be something about this Son of God that shall come. So Zeezrom says to him in verse 34, shall he save his people in their sins? And Alma said unto him, I say unto you not, for is it impossible for him to die, deny his word? This is where it gets a little tricky, right? Keep reading. And Zeezrom said unto him, see that you remember these things. So he's pointing out, see, everybody, remember. He said there's one God, yet he says the Son of God shall come, and he say that he shall not save his people as though he had the authority to command God, right? So you see that Zeezrom's kind of ramping up this outrageous claims, right? But instead we learn um, the true belief. Amulek says, behold, thou hast lied. For thou sayest that I spake as though I had authority to command God, because I said that he shall not save his people in his sins. And I say unto you again that he shall not save them in their sins, for I cannot deny his word. And he has said that no unclean thing shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, how can you be saved except you inherit the kingdom of heaven? Therefore, you cannot be saved in your sins. So Amulek's trying to say, no, that's absurd. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying any of that, right? It's, he's trying to say, that there is an atoning Messiah that will atone, but he's not going to save you in your sins. He's going to save you from your sins, not in your sins, uh, but it's going to be from your sins. So how can one be saved except that? Um, so this is, this is interesting. This is where we start to see this true theo uh, theology come forward of how, how is Christ going to save his people? How is he going to uh, save them. Let's jump down to um, 
I want to jump down a couple verses. Verses 41 through 42. Therefore the wicked man remain as though there had been no redemption made, except it be the loosing of the bands of death. For behold, the day cometh that all shall rise from the dead and stand before God and be judged according to their works. And there's a death which shall be called temporal death. And the death of Christ shall loose the bands of this temporal death. And all should be raised from this temporal death. So we see this first part that it's like the atoning Messiah is going to redeem all from death, but they will all still be be raised from death to stand before God to be judged. So the first death, he's going to go on to explain this first death, this physical death that comes upon all of us, God will redeem us all from physical death, but we will still be judged. And so if if God's going to save us from one piece, how are we saved from the other? And he's going to save us from sin as well, but we have to do something, right? We have to do something. He says here in verse uh, 44, now this restoration, meaning the resurrection, shall come to all, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female, both the wicked and the righteous. Everyone's going to be resurrected is what he's saying. And even there shall not be so much as a hair of their heads be lost, but everything shall be restored to its perfect frame as it is now or in the body, and it shall be brought and be arraigned before the bar of Christ, the Son, the God, and God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, which is one eternal God, to be judged according to their works, whether they be good or that whether they be evil. So first, it's going to set down, right, this universal resurrection that everyone is going to come back but not, not in some spiritual sense or some different sense. It's exactly like you are. If, if you're Lori, you're coming back as Lori. If, uh, it, it's, it's not just for men. It's not just for women. It's not just for the old or the young. It's for everyone. Everyone will be restored from this. However, there is a piece that he's going to uh, discuss, and that is going to be we are going to have to stand before the judgment bar. right? So we're going to have a spiritual death. We are going to be judged of our actions, whether we are righteous or not. And and then it takes this weird turn, right? This is where Zeezrom starts to freak out. He shakes and he trembles, and then it goes on and on, and it gets worse. Now, we change gears. Alma jumps in on this conversation. So they're trying to catch, they're tr- seeing that they're trying to catch him. Uh, Zeezrom is trying to catch Am- Amulek and Alma. Alma jumps in, and, and they kind of continue this, uh, this debate. Let me go on. I wanted to read one more verse. Read the first part of chapter 12. Am- Alma's going to describe how everyone can know the truthfulness of these things. And the more humble we are, the more apt we are to have these mysteries revealed. So that's important. And then he goes on to say, um, 14, 12, 14. This is Alma now, not Amulek. For our words will condemn us. Yea, all our works will condemn us. We shall not be found spotless. And our thoughts will also condemn us. And in this awful state shall we shall not dare to look upon our God and we would fain to be glad if we could command the rocks and the mountains to fall upon us and hide us from his presence but this cannot be we must come forth and stand before him in his glory and in his power and his might and majesty and dominion and acknowledge to our everlasting shame that all his judgments are just and that he is just in his works and he is merciful unto all the children of men and he hath all power to save every man that believeth on his name or bringeth forth fruit, meat for repentance. I think this is interesting. This is that salvation question I was telling you that I was 
pondering about recently. It was, yes, we'll be saved from the physical death, but our spiritual death, the Lord has given us the opportunity to repent and come back, but he is merciful to, to all the children of men. If someone's truly naughty and they're terrible people, they're going to be judged. This is when justice is going to be meted out. Instead of just saying, well, oh, well, um, it's going to be set right. So he's merciful to those that have been served injustice. But also we're going to be judged by what we are, what we have become. It will be our works. It will be our thoughts, right? It'll be our words. It'll be who we are, everything that we've become. And yet the Lord has his hand outreached. This is the purpose of the atonement so that we can repent, that we have a chance to practice and learn and become. And yet we are going to be responsible for what we do here, what we think, what we say, and what we do. Ooh, powerful stuff. And that's what he says is the second death. And now behold, I, I say unto you that cometh the death, even the second death, which is spiritual death. Then is a time that whosoever dieth in his sins as to temporal death, he shall die in a spiritual death. Yea, he shall die as to things pertaining to righteousness. Right? This is the time. But when we're resurrected, there's that's it. Right? You're not going to be able to change who you've become. So this is where that, that idea of hell and brimstone, right? The the fear and the blame and the shame and all of that will be terrible these chains of hell so might be a literal place but it feels more shall be right this is descriptions of a metaphor the chains of hell the emotional eternal condition um, that we will find ourselves in so he's specifically saying some of this to Zeezrom because that's exactly where Zeezrom is I don't think this is meant to scare us but he's trying to say look Zeezrom you know this is true you know and yet, this is the time to repent. This is the time to change your words and your works and your thoughts and and become that person that Christ knows you can be. All right, Scriptorians, we're about out of time, but ask yourself, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved in the body? What about the rest of us? When When does this happen? How does it happen? And where are we in terms of where we stand before the Lord? The judgment bar of Christ, we will stand there one day before God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit and be judged. And where are we? The good news is, is that he says, come unto me and I will give you rest. All right, brothers and sisters, keep on reading. We will continue in next time as we continue in the story of Alma.